Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. It's so easy for us to fall into a view of Jesus that is simple or routine, but Jesus came to radically change our perspective on what it means to truly live. We're in a series that takes a look at the statements that Jesus said about his mission for coming to earth. Our lives are different because of Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Good to see you guys. Man, the church is growing so much these days. Uh, It's just so good to see so many new people and to meet so many new people. I want to reiterate two things I said last week just to remind you of as we're growing. First of all, if this has been your church for a while, we're we're not losing our soul as a church. We're going to be the same church we've always been. We're simply going to have more of it. Y'all like that? More, more is good. More seats. <laughs> I wish we had more parking, but we got more seats and uh, we'll fix the parking coming sometime soon. Anyway, so yes, we're just excited. And the second thing is if, if you are new to Grace Life, we want you to know there is a place for you here. This is why we're doing what we're doing is to, to reach more people and to invite more people to be a part of the family of God here in Columbia. So excited to have you here. Uh, so hey, uh, this is the first Sunday of the month and something we've done every first Sunday for about two years now, except for last month, was to give you an update on the process of building this building and moving into this building, uh, except now we're here. So sometimes you think we're, we're kind of done with that. So here we are. Let's just go ahead and celebrate. There, we're slow, but there we go. There you go. Yeah. For those of you that were uh, never there, just about a month ago, just a little over a month ago, we used to meet in a room that was a fraction the size of this one. And uh, well, it was crazy. There were no lines for parking. And so we probably had less parking than we have now, but because there were no lines, it didn't really matter. People just did whatever they wanted. Now they're actual spaces and you're like, I'm out of parking, what do I do? So hey, here's the deal. For most of us, we have been a part of this process for about three years of getting us to this point. And, and so if you were here way back uh, in, in late 2015, early 2016, we said, we're going to do something special. We're going to make this building a reality and that's gonna mean that financially we're, we're going to give to do that. And so uh, here's what has happened to give you an update on where we were. Don't y'all like seeing things like that? Isn't that encouraging? Somebody told me last week I should have been a stand-up comedian. So if, if preaching ever goes poorly, this, that's what I'm going to do next. But yeah, look, this was a $4.5 million project. So to be about 450000 over budget is actually a pretty good thing, everybody's telling me. I'm kind of panicking every now and then. But everybody else I talk to says, oh, you're lucky. It, it, it's 10 to 20% hands down every time you do something. So here's how we have met that need. First of all, in addition to giving about a million dollars to the building fund in the last year, you've also given over a million dollars in just general ties and offerings, and that is just incredible. Yeah, clap for the person beside you because that is awesome. Because of that, most of this need for $450,000 you, you didn't even know about. Matter of fact, I have not said it publicly until today because we've been able to just pay out of the extra giving that we've had toward our general fund and to, to meet that need. But right now we're at the point where we still need about 215000 in the next few weeks. Now, here's the funny thing. This morning, that was $215,005.38. But as we reviewed the slides, we always do that before the Sunday morning. The worship team did not like having 38 cents up there. So one of them offered to give 38 cents right then and there. (laughs) No, it gets funnier. It gets funnier because another one did it. And so then I was like, well, now we're down to $215,004.62 because now two of you did it. And then somebody says, I'll give 62. And I figured if we just keep this up, the worship team will cover that need before the first service. So uh, 
Anyway, so hey, look, in all reality, uh, for those of you that have said you want to be a part of the three years, we're about two and a half years in. I want to thank you for that and encourage you. You know, sometimes you move in and you think we are done. The truth is we're not done. We've still got 215,000 that some people would really like from us, (laughs) and the sooner the better. So uh, for those of you that still have that six months and and you've pledged the giving, thank you if you continue doing that. For those of you that maybe, you're what we call the wise investor. You know, you never invest in a stock that isn't proven. And so some of you were thinking over there, like, they really think they're going to do this? Four and a half million dollars. Ha, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you can see it. So now you can help pay for it. (laughs) And then if you're just new to Grace Life and you're just excited about what God is doing here and you want to be a part of that, that'd be awesome as well. Look, we've never pressured anybody. We don't talk a lot about money. So that's why you haven't heard about this. But we're a family and this is our family's uh, need. So, hey, in the next four to eight weeks, if you happen to have $200,000 just laying around, you're like, what do I do with it? I just answered that question. <laughs> you don't need to go on vacation. All right, there you go. So, hey, I'm going to start with a joke, but before I do this, I want to let you know this is a very bad and inappropriate joke. So, do not run out the door as I tell you this joke. Everybody good for that? You good? Okay, so here's how the joke goes. How many men does it take to open a root beer during the game? Now, I know some of you have heard a different version of that joke, but root beer really is the original version. How many men does it take to open a root beer during the game? And the answer is none. It better be open when she brings it to you. I'm just going to tell you guys, none of the guys laughed or clapped in the first service. Those guys are in better shape right now than some of you who just clapped to that. Look, that is so insensitive, isn't it? And it's so inappropriate. So why does such a joke exist? Because there are people who think that's the way it is. There are people who think that's the way it should be. Because we live in a world that thinks that someone serving you is determined by their lot in life or their role or their position, that someone is always over someone and someone is always under someone, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the world we live in, right? That, that's how that works. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. You, you work in the service industry. And so maybe you're a waitress or some other job where you serve people as a part of your job. And if you have ever worked in the service industry, yes, you begin to get good at serving people, but you have, I guarantee you, been treated in a way that just doesn't, no human should ever be treated that way by someone else because they just saw you as as a position in front of them, below them, and they treated you so poorly. Raise your hand if you've ever been in the service industry and treated less than human. Look at all those hands, right? Maybe you're a mom. Come on, some moms. We should cheer for moms, right? You, you serve nonstop. My mom might be the best server on planet Earth. She would do anything, it, it, and that's, that's just who she is. She's going to do anything for you. She did everything for me my entire life. I grew up here in the South. She made a gallon of sweet tea every single morning because I could drink a gallon of sweet tea every single day. And so that's what she wanted to do to make me happy. I'd get ready for school every morning. I would go into the kitchen and there was a hot breakfast sitting in my seat already there, right? I mean, she would do anything for me. I didn't learn how to do my first load of laundry until I was a freshman in college and she wasn't close enough to do it for me. She was a wonderful mom. But then... You know, there's a side effect of wonderful mothers, lazy husbands. Somebody better be clapping for that one. You better be clapping for that one. I married her and found out that's not the way it works. My mom still today 
She'll call me, oh, so y'all are coming up Saturday? What can I make for you? What would you like to eat when you get here? I can't get you to do that all the time. Be like, but listen, this is funny because she'll do that for the kids. It's just what moms do. They serve the kids. I will come home and I will catch my wife in the kitchen making three or four different things because one kid likes this and one kid doesn't like that and one kid something else. And she's got this elaborate meal to make all the kids happy. I just got to fit in somewhere, you know. But she makes all the kids happy. And then when dinner's over, she would get up and go and clean while the kids would go and sit on iPads in the living room. I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? You, you already made them. So we started a, a rule. If you cook the meal, you don't have to clean up the meal, right? Yeah, that's the way it should be. And so we're starting to teach our children, do not make a mess and expect your mom to clean up after you because she will. She will just naturally do it. So I have to be the one to get in here and be like the referee. So I made another rule that says if you make a mess, you clean up a mess. And this is a true story. But about two weeks ago, I almost lost a child. Because mom was out and I made dinner. And after I made dinner and we ate and the, the three kids, they were at home at the time. And, and I said, okay, I cook dinner, y'all clean up. One of my children sitting on the front row, not to name any names, happened to say, well, dad, you made the mess, so you clean the mess. <laughs> yes, children, that is the way to an early grave, just so you know. Maybe you're on the opposite side of this equation. Maybe you are a business owner. Maybe you're the manager. Maybe you're a high-ranking officer in the military since we're here near a military base. And so you are used to people serving you because of their position compared to yours, and you're not used to serving them because of your position compared to theirs. And so you think about this. When would a major ever walk in on a Monday morning, find some privates and say, excuse me, guys, can I get you coffee? That wouldn't go very well, would it? You know, usually you walk into the office and the secretary asks the CEO, what can I do for you this morning? It's usually not the other way around. And because this is just the world we live in, we actually miss out on something that should be in our lives because of Jesus. If you're new to Grace Life, this is your first Sunday here. We're in a series. I think we're on about week five. Uh, it's called Because of Jesus. And we're looking at statements either Jesus made about himself or statements that were made about Jesus elsewhere in Scripture. This says this is why he came. He came to do things that would change our world, that would change our lives. And, and one of the ones that we want to talk about is because of Jesus. Well, we should treat people differently and they should have a different relationship than the world tells us that it should be. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 today, and we're going to start in verse 42. If you don't, don't worry. It's going to be on the screens right here beside me. So here's our main passage. It says, And Jesus called them to him, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, well, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Now, let me just stop and make sure we all understand this passage. Maybe you're new to the Bible or new to church, and the word Gentiles can be confusing. But back when this was happening and when Jesus was teaching, there were two groups of people. There were God's people, the Jews, God's people, and there were the not God's people, and they called them the Gentiles. So the entire world was basically divided, at least from their perspective, into these two groups. God's people, not God's people, Jews, Gentiles. So when you read your Bible today and you come across that word Gentiles and you think it was a country somewhere over there, it wasn't. And so when we read this, what we can do is just insert not God's people. We can insert in there the people who are not following God with their lives or basically just the way the world works. 
So he is simply saying, look, you know that those in the world are considered great and their great ones lorded over them with their exercise of authority. And that's what makes them great if they're not God's people. And then look at this sentence, but it shall not be so among you. That's the world that I just came into. That's the world that you live in. That's the world that you know. But look, let me not make sure you don't miss the point. Jesus says, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, society says that we serve based upon education, rank, job, or position. The church actually often says that we serve based upon our spiritual gift or our passion. Jesus says, you serve because I did period. There's nothing more to it, and it's not more complicated than that. Did y'all get that? I'm going to do that again for the fun of it. Society says we serve because of our education, rank, or position, or, or title. The church, I think, sometimes gets into mistake because we tell people to serve only based on spiritual gifts or passions. That is good. That's good. But sometimes we miss the point. Jesus said, you serve because I did, and I died for you. You see, he said, it shall not be so among you. Among whom? Among those who call Jesus their king. Among Jesus' followers. You see, serving isn't about our place in society. Serving is about who died on the cross for whom. Thank you. That deserves something from somebody there, you know. We're talking about Jesus here, y'all. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. You see, the highest position among us is the greatest servant. Totally backwards from the world we live in. This isn't what we experience every day. We go to work. No, it's very clear. The corner office goes to the highest title, the reserve parking. I mean, everything in our world is based off of over, under. One of us is over and one of us is under. But Jesus did the exact opposite. He had the highest position. Jesus was God in the flesh. And God came in the flesh to serve fallen humanity. So if the highest position comes to be a servant, then how can someone in such a low position as fallen human, you and me, think that we deserve to be at the top? No. Because of Jesus, we serve. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't want to preach this today. When we looked at the statements about because of Jesus and why he came, we, we had a list, a long list, because Jesus actually made a lot of statements about what his purpose was and the things he was going to do. And there were more than eight. And, and as we were starting to cut some of them and say, which ones are the most important? Which ones are the ones we need to focus on the most as a church family? How can you leave out the single statement that I did not come to be served, but to serve, and therefore my followers should basically follow that? How can we leave that one out? So as much as I wanted to skip this one, we couldn't. But, but I didn't want to preach this one. I, I, if I had my choice, I would not be preaching it. I'd be out of town just for the fun of it, just to avoid it, because I'd make our campus pastor preach it. But then he, he had to go and have like a 38th wedding anniversary and thought that was special or something. So <laughs> 38 years, wait till you get to 40. Come on, man, take a trip next year. Come and preach for me. And you may think I'm being unspiritual and doesn't a preacher want to preach on any passage in the Bible? Sure, I do. I just have done it. Time and time again. You see, I don't have a problem preaching about Jesus serving. I have a problem preaching to Jesus' people about serving. <laughs> y'all, that was funnier than y'all gave me credit for there. 
I'm trying to be nice because this message is going to hurt. I'm just kind of trying to like soften the mood a little bit. See, here's the truth. I've preached on serving so many times and, and there honestly is sometimes very, very little life change response. And I don't get out of bed on Sunday mornings just to talk to people. I get out of bed so that we change our lives. We should be different people. And, and so I, I heard people leaving the first service go, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> So I edited my notes. I took out one of the most uncomfortable comments I made, but the rest of them, y'all just going to have to endure. That's just the way it is. So as I was getting ready for this message, I, I honestly didn't want to do this. I wasn't inspired. I wasn't you know, excited. And, and I was just like, okay, God, here we go again. What are we going to do? And so I, I took a little time to go and talk to God about it, because if I'm not excited, then we're all in trouble. And I said, so what can I possibly say? that would bring about a difference in our response to the idea that Jesus has given us the model to serve others. What can I do that might bring about a different life reaction for us? And I feel like God gave me something that, well, honestly, it'll work for some of us. It's, it's what has confused some of us. There is actually a passage in Scripture that it conflicts with what we think we should be doing about serving. Now, this may not apply to all of you, but I think for some of us, this gets in the way. And it makes it hard for us to really know what we're supposed to do. So I'm just going to share this story with you. It'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. It's not the main passage. But anyway, here we go. It's in Luke 10. It says, now as they went their way. That was just God agreeing with me. Just <laughs> let there be light. Take away the light. They'll know I'm here. All right. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Some of you have heard this story before, right? Martha was distracted with much serving. And so she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell, wait a minute, Martha, he never answered your question. Have y'all noticed that? Martha just assumes Jesus agrees with her. She didn't even wait on him to answer. Y'all know people like that? They just ask you a question, then they tell you what to do with your answer, even though you didn't answer them. Jesus, don't you think you should be, she should be helping me? So tell her to help me. Anyway, so here's, Jesus finally did say something to her, and here's what he said. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is a very famous story for people who have uh, been to church for a part of their lives. They've probably all heard this, and so this can mess us up. Because it gives us the idea that serving can actually be either uh, uh, unimportant it can be optional because Mary opted out and Jesus complimented her. Or even worse, it could be the wrong thing to do sometimes because the one serving just got rebuked by Jesus. And maybe that's how we sometimes get confused about, well, shouldn't I be in the service worshiping? Shouldn't I be at home listening to a worship song rather than being out serving somewhere? I, instead of doing all that doing, I could be somewhere just enjoying God. And so that's what Mary would have done and not Martha. And we've all got the t-shirt, don't be Martha, right? Well, here's the deal. Let me help bring some clarity to this passage. Uh, I love the Middle East. And I, I know we've got a lot of soldiers in the room and you may think, why does he love the Middle East? The Middle East is probably my favorite place on the planet outside of the Caribbean. 
Because, you know, the Caribbean is just the Caribbean. If you've never been there, well, <laughs> that's, you need to go. But anyway, I, I love the Middle East. And, and here's the reason. First of all, when I go, soldiers, I, I don't go to do what you go to do. And I have greatly different accommodations when I get to go. So that's why I enjoy the Middle East. But here's the thing. It's absolutely the best hospitality on the planet. Now, look, I know that I just offended most of the room because this is the South. And we put our little pineapples out on our doorpost and, and we invite people into our house for our sweet tea. And we just think we are the king of Southern hospitality. We've just got the best. Look, I grew up here in the South. I'm a South Carolinian, native South Carolinian. If you can't tell, I can say ain't y'all with the best of every one of you. Okay, so look, I, I'm, I'm just picking on ourselves. Is that okay? But here's the thing. They have a completely different culture, and that's the culture Martha was operating in. In their culture, uh, it, it's a shame and honor culture. We're Westerners. Our culture is about truth. That's why we can argue with each other so quickly. That's why we can argue with a boss. We can argue with someone of a higher rank if we think they'll give us the freedom to do it. And we can argue with a teacher and we can argue with a parent because we only care about truth. But they care about honor. And so they won't argue with anyone who is in a higher position because it's all about honor. So here's the thing. You say, well, why does that matter, Jimmy? Here's the deal. When you go into one of their homes, hospitality for them is about honoring you as the guest. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who they are. It's about honoring you. Now, Southerners, I'm going to offend you, but I'm one of us, right? When we do hospitality, it is so that they think we're awesome. Man, they've got the best pecan pie I've ever eaten. They were the best host ever. They were the most gracious ever. We do hospitality so they will speak well of us. They do hospitality simply because the guest deserves it. It's a completely different culture. Now, why did I take you on that little culture trip? Because you need to understand what Martha was doing. What Martha was doing was right. You see, everyone in her world expected her to be treating a guest like they were the person of honor. Who in their right mind would sit down and say, hey, preacher, glad to have you here today. Don't care if you're thirsty. Don't care if you're hungry. Sit down and start talking, buddy. Who in their right mind, especially if that was God? Hey, don't really care about you. I'm just here to learn from you. Come on. No way. Everybody in the room expected her to be in the kitchen if she had a guest of honor in the living room. Everybody expected that. There was no one that was telling her what she was doing was wrong. Her world said, yes, you should be honoring them. Her world says, yes, Mary is wrong. See, Martha was right. She was doing what the social obligation was. She was doing what she was trained to do. She was doing what her culture was there to do. And Mary wasn't. And Martha was right on every single point of that. But she missed something. Let's make sure we don't misunderstand what Jesus was saying. See, Jesus never rebuked her for serving. That wasn't the point. Jesus' point was that Martha, Mary figured out something that you haven't figured out yet. No one should be in the kitchen when the meaning of life is in the living room. It wasn't that serving was wrong. It was that she was distracted by social obligation so much that she didn't see what the very Son of God was doing in her midst. She could miss out on God's presence. You and I can still do the same thing today. We can get so focused on what other people think and what other people expect that we can get right into the very presence of God and miss what he's doing. The problem wasn't that she was serving. The problem that she was just distracted and couldn't even see God. 
Look, Jesus' point is very simple. Yes, we are called to serve God. Yes, we are called to serve people. There is no denying it. But working for God can never take the place of being with God. Y'all with me? Working for God can never take the place of being with God. And so what we learn from this story, and we're real good at it as Christians going, well, I'm not going to be a Martha. I can't be a Martha. I don't want to be so distracted with what the world thinks I should be doing that I miss out on what God is doing. No, I will not be a Martha. Well, here's the problem. We also can't use trying not to be Martha as an excuse to not be Jesus. Told you it's going to get uncomfortable. Y'all just imagine the t-shirt walking around. Because of Jesus, we serve. And you turn around and on the back, because of Martha, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't wear t-shirts like that. I'm glad y'all thought that was funny. Because of Jesus, we serve. And it's very, very simple. Here's why. First of all, it shows our gratitude. I mean, think about him. Think about what he did for us. No one demonstrated this better in such a short little story than Peter's mother-in-law. Two little sentences. I'm just going to read them to you. Not even going to put them on the screen. So Jesus entered Peter's house. That was one of the disciples. And he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And so he touched her hand. The fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. Are you kidding me, mother-in-law woman? You don't have a name. I mean, seriously, can't we find somebody who didn't have the flu 10 seconds ago that could do something in the kitchen besides you? You would think so, right? But her response is, I don't care if somebody's in the kitchen. I'm going now. And you know why? Because Jesus just healed me. How could I do nothing in response to that? See, you and me, we're, we're saved. We're forgiven. We're healed. We're blessed. And that list could go on and on and on. And so how could our response be, I'm not going to do anything. I'm afraid I'll be a Martha. No, our, our response should be, I want to be a Peter's mother-in-law. I want to show Jesus how grateful I am for what he's done for me. And you may say, okay, Jimmy, well, that's, that, that preaches well, but let's just get, get it straight. How do you serve a God in heaven? I mean, he's there and we're here. How do you serve a God in heaven? Here's the answer, I think. We serve a God in heaven by serving those he is reaching on earth. We serve a God in heaven by serving those he's reaching on earth. And last time I checked, that was a whole lot of people. There's about four to five billion people that yet to claim him as their God. So, you know, one of the things we need to understand as we talk about how to serve God is God has made it abundantly clear. If you've ever read the Bible, if you've ever taken some time to look through it, God has made it abundantly clear. I don't need you. That's what he says. He says, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't need your incense. I'm not incomplete up here in heaven. I'm not lonely without you. I don't need you. Your serving to me is not accomplishing anything. For I am full. I created you. I don't need you. But the person beside you does. God is not incomplete. But God is using us to reach this world. That's what Jesus came to do. And then second, serving shows our humility. You see, humanity values position. We pursue position. We have position or we serve the ones with position. It's why we, we go and we get a bachelor degree and then our buddy gets a bachelor degree, so we go get a master's degree. If he gets a master's degree, we gotta go get a PhD. We gotta warn up somebody because we can't, we can't be on level ground, right? I mean, that's just the way we think. But that's all about pride. 
And you see, serving is about putting others first regardless of position, and that is all about humility. It's completely different. There is one person in all of history that God says, that man has my heart. His name was David. He was king of God's people, king of the Israelites for a time period. And I want to show you what, what David said in Psalms, one of the thoughts that he had about position. He said this, look, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents elsewhere. I, I, I'm a king on planet earth. I have the highest position on earth, but let me tell you what, I would rather have the lowest position in my father's kingdom than the highest position here because it's not the way you think. You see, when we serve others, it shows our value for them and it shows our value for what God is actually doing in their lives. But look, don't miss the point. Please don't miss the point. This isn't just about what you do when you come to church. Notice there is not a card on your chair so that you can sign up for a team on your way out the door. No, this is not just about what you do when you come to church. This is about who we are, servants, because our Lord is a servant. It's about what we are to do, serve, before both God and people. You see, because of Jesus, we serve. So I'm going to leave you with a very challenging question today, if you're ready for this. Y'all ready for this? How do I serve to change the lives of others? How do I serve to change the lives of others? You know, God is changing lives here at Grace Life. It's not the only place. God's changing lives in many ways. He changes lives through co-workers. I just had somebody at the end of last service telling me how they've been helping one of their co-workers who's struggling with marriage and sharing messages about marriage, and that person's been listening to them, and now they've actually agreed. They and their spouse have agreed to go to marriage counseling, and even though they don't have a church, they've asked if we would do their marriage counseling and said, do churches do that kind of thing? Absolutely. But here's my point. None of that happened inside the church. Because she simply is serving in a way that changes lives. When she's got something to do, she's taking time out of her schedule to track down messages and, and share them with, with her friend and to, to come and talk to me out of her schedule and to ask if she can arrange. She's just serving. I'm not here to try and get you on a team this morning. That, that's not what this is about. So what if you, you want to respond to this? Serving, first of all, if we want to respond, serving has got to become who we are. It's got to be our attitude toward every single person in our life. I'd say it this way. Become someone who serves everyone. Become someone who serves everyone. Now, look, I get it. There is a position in our world, and there are some things you can or cannot do. But think outside the box. There are a lot of things you can do. You know, you, you could be higher in the military and look at someone who's a lower rank and ask them how you can help them with their life. I've watched people do it before. We had one of our elders for a while was actually a captain in charge of, of the whole part of his, I forget what you call that, he was in charge of company. He was in charge of a whole company of, of people doing drill starts. Sorry, guys, I was never in the army. But he was in charge of a company and one of, one of his drill sergeants was a single mom. And if anybody in here knows the schedule of a drill sergeant, you already know where this story is going. And so her life was miserable trying to figure out childcare when you work about 20 or 24 hours a day most days. And so even though he was the captain that could have and should have said, that's not my problem, he and his wife babysat for the sergeant so that she, see what I'm talking about? You see, you could be the CEO or the business owner who walks in the door and yeah, maybe you're not gonna get coffee for all of your employees, but you can say, how can I pray for you? And they would think, wait, wait a minute, 
you own the business and you got a lot going on and you're praying for your family and you're praying for the business and the results of the business and you know my name. I just got hired last week. You've got like 100 employees. I'm in the back of the shop. You never see me and you walk back here to ask how you can pray for me. See, there are ways that we can serve people that don't totally turn things upside down in a way that, well, maybe we should turn some things upside down. What do you think about that? Become someone who serves everyone. And then I do just want to say, just for the fun of it, the church is a family, and God is changing lives here in this family. And if you'd like to be a part and, uh, of what God is doing and you'd like to be on one of the teams where God is touching people, then I, I just invite you to come out to First Step anytime. We happen to be doing it today. You can also just drop by the connection area anytime and say, hey, how can I be a part of what God is doing here? And so on that note, I'm going to share a story with you as we leave. And it's going to be a video story, but it's kind of a follow-up to the one we saw last week. How many of you were here last week and saw that story? Wasn't that an amazing story? Here's the thing. That's all you got to do was see an amazing story. And when we sit here, we miss out sometimes on being part of the story. So what I want to share with you today was I heard a story and I was like, man, you got to do that. You got to pray with that guy. You got, they had to tell me the story. You see, when we serve, we don't get to just hear the stories. We get to be part of the story. So check out this story of someone being part of the story. Like most Sunday mornings, I was working out here in the lobby of the church, and uh, it's that's really an exciting time right after the service for a lot of us because we're meeting people who, uh, for most parts, had just had their first experience at Grace Life Church. And then we also get to meet people who may be just either coming back to Jesus or may in fact actually be devoting themselves to the Lord for the very first time. And uh, it wasn't that long ago that uh, we had a young man who uh, literally had had a near-death experience and was at that point in his life, uh, had gone from being a Christian to becoming an agnostic. Uh, everything was shutting down in his body. And they said if he hadn't gotten to the hospital, uh, he was in the hospital if I remember right, for like eight days. Like, and it was like touch and go. He was pulling into Columbia at like eight in the morning. Like they were getting in from New York. He'd been driving and so it was like eight in the morning and he's pulling in and he's like, I really feel like I should go to church. Another member had invited him and he was thrilled to just have the invitation. Physically, it was difficult for him to get into the building. He went, heard the message from Jimmy and he came back out and was almost in tears and said, I knew that this was all about me. The last few months was God trying to get my attention. I gave him a Bible that morning because I don't think, he said I have one, but I don't know where it is. I haven't read it in so long, one of those types of things. So when you start serving, or you start to meet people in the church and you start to develop uh, better relationships, deeper relationships, kind of like with life groups. When you hear these stories uh, about you know lives being changed and stuff, it's awesome to hear that if you're just in the audience, but it's even more awesome when you have an opportunity to, to be a part of it. You're experiencing it, you're hands-on with these people. And it's just, I mean, it's really the best part of my week every week. Such a cool story. It, the, the thing that stood out to me the most in that story was the way that God got that guy's attention. God pursued that person who came here and Kelly was able to serve, and he got his attention. 
Maybe there's some people in the room today that God has your attention here this morning. He has your attention. Maybe he's doing something throughout the week or something that happened right here. He might be even saying to you that, that you don't have a relationship with him. And, and if that's you and, and you know that, I want to invite you and give you the opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus here today. If that's you and you would like to start a relationship with Jesus here today, pray something like this after me. God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I believe that Jesus' death paid for my sin. Father, teach me. Now I want to follow you. Teach me how to do that. Father, give me a life of great meaning and great purpose here in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.